The Guardian. Six Nations Rugby with Ian Payne. Hello again, I'm Ian Payne and welcome along to the Six Nations show on guardian.co.uk. So, weekend number two is over. Wales and France are both still on for the Grand Slam and England get a win under their belts just. But what else have we learned? Well, one, if Carlo Damasco, the video ref for the Wales match, had been in charge of the TV replays in Paris, England might have won the World Cup. Two, the best things in life come in small packages, as Vincent Clerc is happy to show you. And three, never ever doubt Mr Johnny Wilkinson. Remember Sunday Times, a thousand points and counting. Now, my guests on the show today, first up, an old friend of the uh, rugby podcast on guardian.co.uk. Last time we saw him, he was the unhappy Welshman in an English pub in Paris. Work that one out during the Rugby World Cup, but today he's pumped up like all good Welshmen should be as they make their inexorable charge towards the Grand Slam. Guardian writer Paul Rees. How are you feeling, Paul? All right, yeah, very good. Yeah. Yep. Confident? Grand Slam? Oh, crikey, no, 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 I think they'll, um, no, I mean, it's funny, it's two full performances, but with a bit of stardust, and that's been enough, but I think the difference with Wales this year and last year and the year before is they're not leaking tries one in two games and that from a cross kick so they've gone three hours without conceding a try that more than anything else is is why they've started with two other two that sounds like that Englishman Sean Edwards but anyway we won't won't talk about that again Uh, next we have our blogger extraordinaire and eternally optimistic Englishman who saw their failure against Wales as a good thing well, they went on and won away just in Italy uh, from guardian.co.uk, Mr. Andy Bull. A um, couple of words to describe England's performance against Italy? In Terrible, your... lousy. Really? That mm, bad? Yeah. Okay. Uh, debutante on the Six Nations show tonight. Very good evening to the Guardian sports writer, James Callow. You're a virgin on this show, aren't you? Very much so, How yes. How do you feel? Um, as any virgin should, really, probably a little bit nervous, um, <laughs> hoping it doesn't is not over too soon. <laughs> well, we've got half an hour, so you better brace yourself. That's foreplay. Um, later in the uh, program, we're going to be joined by the uh, former Wales international Rupert Moon. That was an old Robin Williams gag. He said, "My old husband." Uh, his idea of foreplay was Ethel. Brace yourself. Uh, right later in the program, we can say we're going to be uh, joined by the former Wales international Rupert Moon. But first up. We can say hello to a man who's got that loving feeling, former England hooker, Steve Thompson. Good evening, Steve. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. And now, before I ask you about the England performance, on the last podcast that we did, we had um, Eddie Butler, when we were talking about rituals and what people did before and when they won their first cap, and he was talking about the different positions. Um, He actually said that the maddest position of all was hooker. They're all mad, he said. It's not a person, it's a position. Any hooker, they're all mad. Is that true? Um, I like to think that I'm not too mad. Uh, I must admit, some hookers I've played against are absolutely loony tunes, I must admit. Really? Yeah, but I think someone like Lewis Moody should have been a hooker, to be fair. <laughs> uh, he's, he's just as crazy as most of the hookers, I think. I think. I think sometimes, yeah, you do come against some absolute, especially in France, some absolute lunatics that uh, off the pitch are a little bit mad as well. So uh, it is a bit of a weird position, I think. All right. Well, I'm glad you're with us because um, you, you, do, you do give us a very good analysis. Uh, madness or not. Um, Deja vu then, Steve, with uh, England in Rome, except this time they scraped to win against Italy. Is is there a problem with England in the second half, do you think? Uh, I just feel that there's a bit of confidence. That just, I thought they were going to go on and score 40 points. I really did. You know, the, the tries that they scored were, weren't really made. They were just like 
great bit of play by Johnny and then, then the charge down kick. And I thought, oh, here's a bit of luck for us at the moment. I thought that we'd go on and, and suddenly relax a little bit. But if anything, we just can't seem to close the match out. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we would have put like 40 points on Italy then and really like closed them down. But we didn't. We seemed to panic. And, you know, like you said, we could have quite easily lost the match at the end. Yeah, Andy Bull, you described in your blog as terrible, awful performance by England. Why, why so? They got an away win. Yeah, and away win against a good Italian team. But like Steve was saying, we were hoping they'd kick on. And in that second half, there was no directional game plan that we could see, really. It was a confusing, confusing 40 minutes of rugby. And you sort of think, well, who in this team is going to stand up and take charge and say, this is how we're going to play for this half? Or, you know, we're under pressure and we need to take control of this game in this way. It doesn't seem to be happening. James, what was your opinion? Well, I mean, I was just wondering whether the confusion is caused by England themselves or whether it's actually the Italian teams that, that have set in the seeds of doubt. Um, you know, you could see that the prop Castro was quite literally driving a wedge through England's forward drives. They weren't able to get quick ball. When have England ever got quick ball? I can't remember <laughs> it. The 70s. Yeah, well, not all Gummersall's been playing. So. No, exactly. Um, what did you make of it, Paul Rees, from a neutral Welshman's point of view? Um, it's, I mean, it's good to see Italy fighting back after... I mean, they were abject in the first half, I thought, Italy. Mm, I mean, they terrible. haven't got an outside half. If they had... Diego Dominguez sort of fit and kicking these days they'd be a real handful but not having a kicking outside half I thought made uh, made a big difference but from England's point of view I mean you look at that there's only six of that team started the World Cup final almost that three months ago a lot of changes they've been together two weeks I think sometimes you can expect too much I don't think they fell today in the second half because a lack of leadership or they weren't controlling the game they made some basic mistakes coughed up some stupid penalties and it, it was out of Wilkinson's hands and, and, and Kipriani's hands but they still held on for a win I wouldn't feel too bad if I was England after that and, and, and the Wales game again for 60-65 minutes it was a better team um, Steve the next match for England is going to be in France in Paris um, what, what do you think they'll have learned from those first two matches uh, I, I just think they've only been together two weeks as well, and um, you know, hopefully they're going to be together for another week before that game. They'll they'll be able to analyse and, and see what the mistakes they did make. You know, that's one thing they seem to be able to do is, is gel as a team and as a squad, and it's a massive test. And hopefully, you know, because of the World Cup, the experience that the players have got in the squad of, of winning in France, they can go over there, pull together, and they, they really know that they're backs against the wall going into France. You know, I think France is looking quite good actually. I really do. Uh, and England are going to have the fear in the belly that they can go over there and, and if they, they, they play the way they are, they could get a bit of a hammering. And that's when England, I think, play best. And that's when they pull in and really know that everyone's you know, sticking the knives in them. And that's when they'll come out fighting. What have you made of the criticism of Johnny Wilkinson? I think it's just harsh, really, sometimes. You know, I think it's hard. When, when he was playing well a few years ago, everyone's saying oh, you know, how good he was. And he had a great pack around him. But then also, you know, Ed... Will Greenwood outside him that really helped him, and then also you know Matt Dawson or Kieran Brecken inside him. And at the moment, you know the pack sometimes is, is being knocked around at times, and they are getting slow ball. It's hard for a fly half, and then he's got a bit of an experience outside him, so he's got a lot on his shoulders. And but still, you know, he, moment of brilliance today. He really could have won them. Well, he did win them the match really. Chip over the top and the reverse pass out the back, and people say he hasn't got the skills like that. He's a bit of a robot, but you know he showed a bit of flair there and and opened the Italians up. Mm. I, know. I mean, going back to this England performance today, what we've seen is them score two tries directly off the back of Italian mistakes, the overthrown line-out and the charge-down kick. Apart from that, we've hardly seen them create anything at all in terms of building possession into points. There was almost nothing there. And that's why when I s- say I don't see much of a plan, 
I don't see that England have a method at the moment of turning possession into points. But is, this, but it's is, not this, happening. is it a different England style and a different England team in that aspect to the, ga- the, the team that played in the World Cup? Because people said they were a fairly negative team and they, and they won by, <laughs> I don't know what you call it, out-Englanding everybody, the way England play, that sort of slow lumbering rugby yeah at the moment that's not entirely what they're trying to do though is it they're trying to bring in these other elements and they're better in broken play we've seen that but what I want to see is them control the game and in both of the first two games of this tournament they've totally failed to control the game at crucial moments in the second half today and in the second half against Wales James well I I think it's possibly true I think they can be safe in the knowledge they might not come up against a, a better pack than the Italian pack they might have a slightly easier time in the next few matches I do worry about England at scrum half, and as you mentioned about Gomasol, I, I do worry about what other options they might have. Steve, is the Italian? Was did you think the Italian uh, pack was as as strong as they're going to meet? I do. I, I think that's one of their strengths. You know, the Italians. I don't. I don't think they're really going to score many points off the back of their backs. They just they don't look dangerous at all. But the forwards, they defend with a heart, and they they look to make teams make mistakes in quiz whereas and then just get three points. They're very sort of what people say England do really. Um, but the Italians do it well, you know, you've got the Bergamasco brothers who to be honest, I've never seen two brothers like that tackle the you know, the lives out of the way they do. You say it is a bit worrying with the with the England at the moment not building and, and making much progress. But at the moment, teams are smelling a bit of blood. They think that England are on the back foot at the moment and they're really going for them. And mm. the Italians sort of stepped back off them in the first half and then the second half, they, they thought, you know, we've got nothing here to be scared of. And that's the worrying point for me, really, at the moment. Paul Rees, are we underestimating Italy? Are we thinking of them as the old Italy that were easy to beat? Or was this a good victory? Um, yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, any victory is a good victory away from home in the Six Nations, I would say. Well, Scotland or Wales. I mean, they uh, came a cropper in Rome last year, didn't they? Um, again, I think you know. I think Andy was being a bit harsh on England there, saying that two tries, you know, weren't created. The first one, yeah, Lipman took a line out, but Wilkinson still had it all to do, and had to react to unexpected ball. And they were, they were, uh, there was an occasion later on when I think three players were held up on the line. So I mean, England are trying to move away, I think, from 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 the game they had in the World Cup, where they didn't create, didn't look to create, just just looked to live offset play and get territory, to one where they are maybe trying to break break things up. The debate about Wilkinson, to me, wasn't about whether he's any good as an outside half. I mean, you know you saw in 2003, that was a pinnacle of his career, mm. how behind that pack and with Dawson at scrum half, with Greenwood at, at 12, he was a master of structure and organisation. He was a perfect outside half there. Mm. Mm. Now, it's slightly different. England don't have that dominant pack anymore. They don't have Dawson at scrum half. They don't have Greenwood at inside centre. And suddenly you want somebody maybe like, you know a bit more like James Hook who does operate in broken play. And Wilkins showed in, showed in flashes today that he can operate in broken plane. You just, you just want a, a wee bit more of that. But what England need going to Paris is more solidity of forward. I mean, they're giving too much ball away at the breakdown. They did, did it against Wales in the second half again today. And while Borthwick, to me, won him the game today because he wrecked the Italy line-out and took about two or three crucial ones on their throw in, in the second half. And also, without Sheridan and without Vickery, you didn't quite have that platform up front. But I, I would agree with somebody just now, I think... A, Big, big problem for England is scrum half and, and, and what they'd have been looking for, I think, from Gomesall today was really sort of talking to his forwards in that second half, getting some some sort of cohesion there, and it didn't. It just it just fell apart. OK, in a minute we shall uh, discuss Wales' destruction of Scotland and uh, we'll also 
talk about France Ireland. What an amazing second half that was. But uh, I just want to, before we finish up with our discussion about Italy uh, against England, I just want to get all of you very brief opinion on uh, the new boy, Leslie Vianicolo. Uh, Andy, how do you think he's doing? I think he's doing brilliantly. I, I absolutely love him already. I think he's absolutely brilliant. James? I think he's a very, very positive character to have around around the team. Um, I think it's, it's easy to forget that had he taken a kick today, a cross kick, you know, he could have very easily just cruised in and scored a try. And then I think the game would have been much, much decided much, much earlier than it was. Paul? I don't think he's been used properly. And, you know, I'd like to see him charging, charging through the middle a bit more. You'd probably see more ball if he's in the Scottish back line, not saying something. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Steve, what do you think of the volcano? Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes the only worrying thing is how people say, oh, that England have got to get him into the game. I think sometimes he's got to go looking for the work. You know, when Josh Lucy and Ben Cohen that were on the top of the game, you see them coming up for the centre. But he's got to start looking for work, I think, and then suddenly that's when he'll start causing mayhem when he comes up against props in the middle of the field and he can use his pace and his power to get around them. Do you think he's as fit as Lucy? You know, no, I, I don't. I, I don't think he is. He, I know he's a lot bigger and he's, you know, they're looking at to, to bang it up, but you know, I think that, that's where he needs to perhaps step up a little bit. It's just a bit of fitness and, and his work rate and just the understanding of the rugby union game, really. You know, he's, he hasn't been in there long and there is Australian international rugby, so you know, you're looking at he's only going to get better. It's going to be interesting to see how he uh, continues. Thanks very much for joining us, Steve. You're, you're obviously playing in France now. How's your French? Uh, it's coming along slowly. Yeah, it's a I'm still learning. It's getting there. I'm enjoying it. But yeah, the last couple of weeks, the French has come on a bit. Um, can you, you give us? Can you give us a sentence or anything about the weekend? Oh, not under pressure. Not under pressure. Not under not pressure. Under pressure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I was ordering food, I'm all right at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Au revoir. Yeah, yeah, well. Steve Thompson, the former England hooker, learning French now and uh, playing rugby again, thank goodness. Uh, a couple of blogs. If you don't know what a blog is, it's uh, basically your opinion that you can send to us, send to us at the uh, Guardian. And to do that, you go to blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. Let's uh, just pick out a couple that fall to hand. Uh, Master Mune says, England, jaw-droppingly brainless again. Some good flourishes but little else to take from this. Mediocre at best. If Ashton's half-time talks are that bad, just stay on the pitch at half-time. Uh, always 27 units a day from Edinburgh. Uh, says, it's not rocket science. Either keep hold of the ball or kick deep for touch and keep in their half or 22. The problem seems to be that our forwards can't defend well enough we have no platform. We just can't do it when the opposition are playing well. I'm starting to wonder if it's lack of fitness, but it couldn't be. Could it? And Flair, 99, says England has the highest number of professional rugby players on earth, and yet Brian Ashton cannot put together a functional team, a good mix of young and older players offering the lame excuses like injuries. The reason why England is so poor is the renewable one-year contract BA has signed up with the RFU. He's got to go for victory at all cost, otherwise... He's out. B.A., of course, being Brian Ashton. Being a true Conservative, he goes for what he calls experience. But unless he bloods young players now, England will not progress and may even pedal back to the dreadful 80s. If you've got any opinion... I think that last point, by the way, and this is quite rare for me to think this about a blogger's comment, but I think that's spot on. I think his one-year rolling contract is a real mistake and I think it's making everything very hard for him. Are you dissing your bloggers? It's just some of them. Man. They diss me back. It's Do fair. they? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Andy Ball, disser extraordinaire. Blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport if you want to join in the blog debate. Six Nations Rugby from guardian.co.uk.
OK, let's uh, move on to Wales. Two wins out of two. They beat Scotland 30-15. Dare they dream? Just one match away from the Triple Crown. Admittedly, it's in Croke Park. Just two for the Grand Slam. On the line, former Wales scrum half Rupert Moon. Or looking up your full name, Rupert, I couldn't believe this. Rupert <laughs> Henry Sinjin Barker Moon. Is that right? Yeah, my, I, I got off lightly. My dad wanted to call me Hector, so uh, <laughs> this was fortunate. Imagine for me at school. Unbelievable. Hector's house. Uh, OK, uh, Rupert, what did you make of uh, Wales' performance? Are they on their way? Uh, yeah, we're certainly on our way. It is, it's a game of inches when you look back at that this squad of players that were involved yesterday. There was uh, a lot of them, I'd say about 90%, I'm sure uh, Paul Rees could tell me differently, were involved in that. World Cup, uh, there was a few tweaks, there was Ryan Jones, there was a Gavin Henson, but yeah, you know, they, it's it's magic how the, Mr Gatland and Mr Edwards can come in and say, do it this way, and everybody goes that extra mile, and uh, it's amazing, you know, only missing four tackles in a game, you know, is quite impressive, but the other incredible thing is not missing any kicks from Hook and Jones from uh, not easy locations over the last couple of games. Yeah, absolutely. They're not leaking tries and they're kicking all the goals. Yeah. Now, now, Warren Gatland has already said after the game that there'll be more changes for the Italy game in a fortnight. He certainly likes to, to keep the players on their toes, Rupert, doesn't he? He does indeed, but again, I, I think you can go back to the fact that it's not new. Steve Hansen did it before. Gareth Jenkins did it against Canada in the World Cup when he left Steve Jones and Gareth Thomas off the field of play and brought them on in a power substitution in the second half. What's going this way is these guys are thirst and hunger, but we're, we're not hitting the post three times. And the, the luck is there. So a lot of people have, have mentioned, Marky Williams has done that, and said, you know, we're having the bounce of the ball and that's what you need. Yeah. Paul, you were at uh, Cardiff watching that 30-15 game against Scotland. Uh, were they worth 15 points on Scotland, do you think? Well, at least. I mean, but, but I, would say, I would say at least, not so much because of what Wales did, but because of what Scotland didn't offer. I mean, I thought Scotland, as an attacking force, were abject. Mm. Um, well, Frank hadn't agreed with you. He said, yeah. the ball in hand, we were awful. Yeah. And, 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 you know, why Patterson stayed out in the wing until nine minutes ago, I do not know. I mean, you know, you're down parks there. Wales were putting three back for his kicks, leaving a thin line at times, and there was, what, two inside passes all afternoon, and that was it. It was, um, it was awful. So, I mean, Wales won despite probably playing, attacking-wise, 60% efficiency. What do you think, Paul, is the main difference that Warren Gatland and uh, Sean Edwards have brought to this team? I just looked at them at the end when you know the game had been won and Scotland were laying siege to their line for the first time in the game. And it just struck me that maybe there's a fear of losing about them now. But more than that, a fear of the consequences of losing. They, you know, almost as if they didn't want to cough up a try and go back into the change room and have to explain it to Edwards. I mean, Gatlin's changed the, the dressing rooms, hasn't he? So Wales are now in the away one, which is small, that you can't hide away in a, in a little nook in the corner and, and escape his wrath and... You know, more accountability, more transparency. I don't know. I, because Rupert's right, it's mainly the same players. And you've got Hook and Stephen Jones who were missing penalties in front of the post virtually in the World Cup. And suddenly they're going over from the touchline. Suddenly right. there's a, you know, there, there, is, there is more of a belief, there's more of a strut. But there's still an awfully long way to go because they, they've won two games without playing anywhere, anywhere near their best. But they've got this capacity 
as they showed the Twickenham to score two tries in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Scotland don't have that. Ireland don't have that. Italy certainly don't have it. England haven't got it at the moment. Probably only France, in 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 rugby terms, can um, can 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 match Wales when it when it comes to creativity. Rupert, you were giggling along there when he was talking yeah, about I, the, uh, the the management. Yeah, you, you know, I, I don't think there's, you know, and I, I'm a bit along in the tooth. I've seen a lot of these coaches from Henry Hansen. Uh, you know, I've been involved with McGeekin and, and others. Gatlin's playing this, and he's learned from his experience with Ireland. Changing dressing rooms was a, a PR masterpiece. Um, actually, the dressing rooms, the away dressing room isn't smaller. Having worked there, it's, and I've changed in both. There's no difference. Uh, it just hasn't got a Welsh flag, uh, and that's, a, that's probably the only difference. I, I look at them, and I think, yeah. Gatland, you're streetwise. You know what you're doing. There's no, there's no airy fairies. He's telling it people straight between the eyes, which not many people like having. And uh, you know, as, as Mark Jones uh, suffered, and Alex Popper and, and others, if you can't take it on the chin, then step out and then fight to come back. And there is that fear. Uh, how long that lasts for? Because you know, you rule with an iron fist. That's okay to start with, but he's got to move on from there. And I, I do think that Gatland and Edwards have got the capabilities to move on. I just think that these these players are starting to be more professional and more accountable, and, and that's what he's brought, and that's another stage in the development of Wales. Do you think they can do it, Rupert, go all the way here? Yeah, I, I think we've been lucky in the fact, and this is what it is about, and having played in some games uh, where we've had a lot of luck and won a lot of games, you know, England had an off day, and I sat there and thought, I paid 68 quid for this mm-hmm. at half-time, and thought England can never be that poor again. Scotland, again, as Paul Reese said, were poor, but we were okay. And we closed out the game, and we did what we had to do to win it. It's going to be very tough in Italy. Nick Mallett has brought a, a steely determination to the forward pack. But I think, you know, there are capabilities in that side. If, if James Hook isn't kicking, then Steve Jones will come on and he'll kick the goals. And that's what it's bound to. If you think of if we'd have missed any of those kicks and where it would have been uh, by the final whistle. So, yeah, I think we're, we're there and thereabouts. And I, I do think that French game will be uh, an amazing experience. But we have this ability to pull one off. Fantastic. Rupert, thanks very much for joining us. Good thanks. luck. Um, the uh, Welsh fixtures, by the way, uh, there's a, a sort of quiet weekend, as it were, no fixtures the coming, this coming weekend. Then they all start again on Saturday the 23rd of February. Wales are at home to Italy. France, that's at 3 o'clock on Saturday, all three games on Saturday. France are at home to England, that's an 8 o'clock game. And Ireland plays Scotland, that's a 5 o'clock game. And then Saturday the 8th of March, again a bit of a gap. Ireland at home to Wales, 1.15. Scotland at home to England, 3.15. And then the next day is France against Italy. And the final weekend is a week after that. England-Ireland, Italy, Scotland and Wales against France. Who knows, that could be the Grand Slam decider. Five o'clock in Cardiff, that one. Um, The bloggers, have they been uh, very confident about Wales, Andy? I think they've mainly been gloating, actually. Have they? Had a lot of very smug Welshmen hanging around. Yeah. Anti-English or just yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is there any other kind? Uh, <laughs> no, not really. Um, uh, let's move on then to... Uh, well, we'll talk, we've talked briefly about Scotland and the fact that... I mean, when, what did you make, um, James, of, of Scotland's performance? Because we should talk about them, even though they did lose. Yeah, I mean, they were, you know, summarily toothless, really. You know, some of their players are coming into the side, you know, with, with, with good form. Nick DeMarco, you know, is, is well thought of, but he had a bit of a howler yesterday. I think there was a misconception that they did well in the World Cup. Um, Wasn't there an idea as they went into the World Cup that they were building and getting better? Mm. And they were one of the um, Northern Hemisphere nations that was actually on an upward curve, but they just hit a wall, didn't they, or something? 
Well, well, they got very big and strong, and, and, and that was initially very, very impressive. But, you know, without having uh, decision makers in the backs t- to really cause damage, the misuse of Chris Patterson is, would be very, very worrying, I would think. It must be very, very hard for them to see where they're going to get that flash of inspiration. Mm. OK, uh, as I mentioned, those are all the games that are coming up. Let's move on to the third game of the weekend and probably the most exciting, certainly, as uh, the Irish came right back from being in all sorts of trouble to get so close to uh, France. 26-21 it finished up. At one point, the French were, I think, was he? 26 It was 26-6. They were 20 points ahead. Um, Paul, what did you make of the first half of that French-Ireland game and the second half? Yes, when he started um, doing a Laporte and bringing loads of substitutions, uh, <laughs> making loads of substitutions, they seemed to um, seemed to fragment, lose their cohesion, and Ireland just suddenly got stuck in the fort. I think what you know what will be worrying for Livremont is is the prop problem he's got at the moment mm. because France, you associate with you know really good scrummaging, and, and they were backpedalling furiously at the end. The good news for him is that Sylvain Marconi is. I think he played a club game. Um, this week, so he's on his way back. But if you look at the, fr- in the, the, the French first division of 14 clubs, take out a, a, a smattering of, of French props, and the bulk of them are Georgians and Romanians. And the league isn't in, 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 in a traditionally strong French position, is not serving the world. But at least under Livermore, they've done what we were asking them to do in the World Cup, and that's stop trying to be England in blue. <laughs> And go back to being France. They're, they're playing. They're playing like France, and that is so typical. I mean, you, you know, you, it's a surprise when England cough up a 19-6 lead and, and struggle to hold on to a 20 points to six lead because you associate England with with efficiency, with organisation, with being able to to hold on to what they've got. With France, anything can happen. They can be 20 points up one moment. Remember that crazy game against Wales in in 99 in Paris, where it's something like 43, 35, and then they've been 20 points up. You expect that with France, but at least they're playing with a with that, with that freedom. Joie de vivre. Yeah, exactly, a swagger. Elan. A swagger. And, and they're having a go. Now, clearly, like England, they've had to make a number of changes. So it's going to, it's going to take time. And whether they're Grand Slam material, like Wales, if they do win the Grand Slam, it will not be because of, of how good they are, but it will highlight the poverty of the Six Nations. And I think, you know, one thing that hasn't come out so far, in terms of quality, this has been a wretched tournament so far. Andy, would you, agree, would you agree with that? Yeah, certainly there's not been a single team that's produced one entirely good 80 minutes, which is perhaps the most surprising thing. There just hasn't been a complete 80 minutes of rugby from anyone. And France, I think like Paul was saying, they've been flattered by the opposition to an extent. Scotland were absolutely terrible, both their games pretty much. Ireland got much, much better in that second half. But again, they're at sort of very low ebb of form right now. So. They were allowed to, though, weren't they, with all the changes that, yeah. that, that Paul was referring Absolutely. to? Absolutely. And you've got to think that the halfback combination there from had on the pitch at the end of that game has got a combined age of 40. So, yeah. I mean, you know, doing that, going into that kind of situation, you're inviting pressure onto yourself. Mind you, if O'Driscoll's pass had just been a tiny bit lower and the winger had grabbed it, you know, mm-hmm. they could have won that match. Or at least yeah, it was a drawn it. I mean, because they really... Eddie O'Sullivan's head was just, you think, he was on the block at half-time right there. If that second half had gone the same way as the first, you know, people would be pretty sure that he was going to go. I mean, we might might be saying that anyway, but that second half performance, I don't know what his head in the, the dressing room at half-time, would have been absolutely fascinating to know because uh, they really pulled his head out of the block. Yeah, yeah. blogs.guardian.uk, sorry, blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. I just slapped my wrist blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport if you'd like to uh, get in touch with us and give us your opinion. This is Don Wendy again. I have no idea. Uh, yet again, Ronan O'Choke 
dished up a shocking performance against France, when will Eddie O'Sullivan understand what everyone else in world rugby has known for a long time? You will win nout of importance with O'Gara in the side. Ah, that's an interesting thought. Um, Do you agree with that, James? I think it's a bit harsh. So do I. Um, I I think the the person should perhaps offer an alternative... Um, to the problem if, if, if he feels that O'Gara should be um, sent out to pasture. I'm just um, scanning the blog. That sounds like something out of Star, Star Trek. Uh, uh, no, I can't see anything. I, I'm sceptical. Um, I, I read afterwards that apparently it was O'Gara's team talk the night before which um, gave Ireland this new belief. Uh, that strikes me as being fairly canny PR. Um, Not in the first half, then. Well, <laughs> <laughs> even more canny PR for them to make it sound like it was... Um, it was well worthwhile. Uh, well, Don Wendy, again, is very uh, down on Ireland, uh, down on the, uh, the whole Six Nations, as Paul seems to be. As for the championship being between Wales and France, he says, don't make me laugh. Yet again, the title is there for France. If Wales show up with that sort of performance in Dublin, they will lose and France would destroy them. But I think that raises an interesting point because I think the way that we're, we're assessing the different teams at the moment we're learning, uh, we're not learning very much from, from their performances so far. They can't all lose. They can't all lose all their games. Um, this is a stunning indictment of the Six Nations 2008. Has anyone well, got the, anything the, good to say about it? Yeah, Vincent Clark and yeah. Cedric Heymans. That's, that's worth watching. Pay, really? money, pay money to see that any day of the week. But Paul? right now you do think a Southern Hemisphere yeah, no, team... I, I mean, I, I get, I, I mean look, it's, you look at, you look at the, the World Cup and what did, that, you know, what did that say about European rugby? England got to the final um, with, a, with a load of old men through, through sheer bloody mindedness at the end of the day. Wales, with that infuriating mixture of brilliance and, and dynamism in defence. Scotland, all right, Scotland muscled their way to, to, to the quarterfinals, played to the maximum of their ability. Ireland were dreadful. Italy were worse. France beat New Zealand. England beat Australia. Well, I think France beat New Zealand. Not in my book, they didn't. Oh, come oh, on. No, come on. What are you talking about? They <clears> beat <throat> them. That, look at the score. You look at, yeah, you, you, you do Romantic. look at the score. You do look at the score, but if you're right, if you're going to be a team in a in a in a World Cup quarterfinal who consistently infringes in the second half and doesn't get a penalty awarded against them, then I would say anybody would win that. I don't think that was uh, as I've argued before. I don't think that was uh, was uh, was a level playing field. Yes, they won. Forget the forward pass try. They and the <laughs> IRB admitted this themselves that, that in the last ten minutes there should have been two penalty kickable penalties awarded against France. All right, then listen. Which, what... which, which weren't. So don't be don't be don't be fooled like that. All right, France t- t- France became the first host to lose three matches in the World Cup. All right, you, know, you it... don't have to say any more. So <laughs> so well, the World Cup proved to me in terms in terms of in terms of style. And in terms of performance, Europe Europe was 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 lagging away behind. You could be a blogger with, mm, your, with but you your, your I mean, curmudgeon. Listen, no, 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 no. I want to ask. Just, just pause a second. If you you were talking about forward passes and all, what about Shane Williams' try against Scotland? Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, a system is meant to provide clarity. Doesn't. And all it's doing is throwing more foot. You scrap it, or you do what they do in American football where the match referee has a look at the footage on the sideline and he decides why you need some fourth guy sitting in the van miles away. I don't know. Is it that he's not being provided with, with the all available angles? I don't know. But it was the one shot was quite clear. Shane Williams was in touch. Mm, it, should, it, should, it shouldn't have been awarded. Full stops. I mean, these are, you know, it's, it's like having goal line technology in soccer 
and a ball is clearly not over the line, and the goal's given. Crazy. Right. We will get more chance in our preview of the weekend of 23rd of February to look in detail at the games coming up for the rest of the Six Nations, whether the Six Nations stand to be good or bad. But um, looking ahead that uh, two weeks, just as, we, as we've seen the games so far, a quick prediction from everyone as to what those games would be. First of all, uh, Andy on France-England. This is going to sound surprising after what I've just said about England, but I've got a sneaky suspicion they're going to do quite well in that game. What, um, win? They're going to run close, and they might win. I, I can't believe I've just said that on a podcast, but yes, I you have, have said, said it, it on a I'm podcast, it. Yeah. and it is going to go out. I'm unconvinced by France. Okay, and James, um, I, I'd be tempted to agree. I, I think France will probably win, but as Steve said earlier on, you know, with the fire in their bellies, I think England will be very, very dangerous. Uh, Kamudjan, what do you think? Well, it'd probably be nil-nil in the second half, given that they both collapsed in the second period this weekend. I just, I'd like to see France smoking England out. Could be a really good game. Just you know, by playing playing the way they have in the opening two games, just 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 bring something out. I think. Just let it lie. Just stop going on about England. What no, about Wales? No, no, no. I, th- I, th- I think. When I look at that England Saxon squad, I, you know, I think of all the, the, the countries in the Six Nations looking ahead to 2011. England, the best place. Some terrific talent, especially behind the scrum. And guys who can play in Brooklyn play, you know, the likes of Garrity, likes of Flood, Capriani. Some very, very good talent there. You know, the question was asked earlier, why Ashen is, 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 is being conservative? I would argue, I mean, one-year contract, I don't know if that'd be a factor for a guy of 61, 62. I think he just wants to bring it on slowly, not shove it all in and watch the experiment go wrong and be mangled and then, and then maybe lose, lose some of these youngsters. Just bring them on at their own pace and gradually. And in two or three years, I think England could have a, like France, could have a really, really good attacking, bold side, which uh, could make a good pitch in okay. New Zealand. OK, we're running out of time, so one-word answers. Um, as you're on, Paul, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Italy. Two winners, please. Uh, Ireland and Wales. Ireland and Wales, OK. Andy Bull, what about those two? Ireland v Scotland, Wales v Italy. Yeah, I'm going to go for the same two as Paul, I'm afraid. Ireland and Wales, mm-hmm. home winners. Uh, James? I'm sorry to be to disappoint you, but I'm probably going to go for Why the same Why am I disappointed? Well. I won't be disappointed. Uh, thank you very much to, uh, to one and all, to uh, Andy Bull, uh, to James Callow, to Paul Rees, to uh, Steve Thompson, and to Rupert Moon, or I should say Rupert Henry St. John Barker Moon. What did he say his parents almost called him? Hector. Hector. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thank you to all of you for listening to this. If you've downloaded it or whatever you've done, do remember you can have your opinion. You can be as bad-tempered as you like, as most of our bloggers are, and you can actually put a sensible name down if you want. Just call yourself Dave. Blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport is how you do that. Blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport and vent your spleen. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.